1: Meteorologists get their 24-hour forecast right about 95% of the time. If only the storms of life could be predicted so accurately. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah turns to Psalm 107 for wisdom on finding peace and purpose when life's unexpected storms blow in. Here's David to introduce the conclusion of his encouraging message when you are at your wit's end.
2: You know, there's a movie that most of us have seen called The Perfect Storm, a story of what happens when everything that can go wrong happens at the same time and there's no way out. Have you been there? Have you been in a place like that? And have you noticed that no matter how dark the sky gets or how rough the waters get, God is there? He's there to help you and strengthen you and guide you and encourage you. And that's the message not only of Psalm 107, but of many of the psalms we have been talking about during this series called When Your World Falls Apart. Friends, the book, When Your World Falls Apart, and the study guide are all available from Turning Point. We're not featuring it this month because we have a very special resource that I'll mention to you in a moment. But you can get the original source of this series from davidjeremiah.org. Go there and inquire about it, and you'll find everything you need. In the meantime, the resource for the month of August is a book called Sleep on This, Evening Reflections from God's Word. 100 readings to help you go to sleep at night, to prepare you for a night of rest, written specifically for that particular moment. And uh, you can read them yourselves or click on the QR code on each page and have them read to you. This padded cover gift book is available to you for a gift of any size during the month of August. Be sure and send your gift today and say, Send me the sleep book, and we'll do it. And it'll be on its way to you before you know it. Well, let's grab hold of the second half of what to do when you're at the end of your wits, when you're at your wits' end. How many of you know that our prayers in the midst of the storm tend to be somewhat short? How many of you know that? Long prayers in church, but in the storm, they're pretty short. When my wife and I were starting our church in Fort Wayne, we lived on a busy highway in a little house there, and the driveway emptied right out into the highway, so it was kind of dangerous getting out of there. One day, Donna was driving, and I was sitting in the passenger seat And she backed out into the traffic. She didn't see a car coming. And I looked over just in time to see it, and I just said, Lord, help, like that, or said, help us, Lord, or something like that. And the car hit us behind where I was seated instead of hitting us where I was seated, or I would have probably been hurt. And then Donna reminds me that I turned to her and said, why did you do that? (laughs) She's never let me forget that I said that uncompassionate thing. But I want you to know when you see a car coming towards you and you're about to get hit You don't have time for these and anything else that you might remember from church You just pray a simple prayer. Can I get a witness everybody understand that? Now I want you to notice this This verse is exactly the same as every situation which we have visited so far in the gallery For instance, what does a wanderer do in the desert when he's lost his way? verse 6 Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. What does a captive do when he's shut up in the prison house of his own making? Verse 13 says, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. And what does a patient in the ICU ward do when he's lost all hope? Verse 19, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. It's exactly the same verse in every situation as a reminder to us that no matter what the problem is, no matter what the situation is, the only way out is the way up. And the only way you're going to get help in a helpless situation is to get help outside of yourself from someone stronger than you are, someone who can actually extricate you from the situation. So in every situation, it is a prayer unto Almighty God. Most of us know that. In fact, I secretly expect to find out when I get to heaven that God has allowed storms, planned some of them perhaps even, to drive us to our knees and remind us again that as self-sufficient as we may all think we are, and as good as we are at getting ourselves out of the jams that we got into, there are certain things that only God can control, and he loves to bring us to our knees in dependence upon him. Oh, that we could learn to pray in times of peace with the intensity that we bring to the prayers in times of storm. The prayer in the midst of the storm. Then there is a dramatic change in the picture. And that is the peace in the storm. Verses 29 and 30 says, And he calms the storm so that the waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. How many of you know that one of the great things about being in the storm and knowing that God caused the storm is the realization that the one who caused it can shut it down too? There's two places on the switch. One says on and the other says off and he's in control of both of them. And when they prayed unto the Lord and cried out to him in their trouble, he heard their prayer and he calmed the storm so that the waves are still. I always think about this in connection with the stories in the New Testament about the Lord Jesus with his disciples. The Lord, I believe, allowed things to happen in the lives of his disciples to teach them lessons they couldn't learn in any other way. Some lessons are not learned in the classroom, do you know that? They're learned by experience as you go through things together. Do you remember the occasion when the disciples had gotten into the ship to go over to the other side? and? The Lord Jesus got in the ship with them and he crawled into the back of the boat and he curled up and went to sleep. And they got out into the middle of the sea and it became very stormy. And it was evident that the disciples were ready to just forget about everything. They thought they were gonna die. And then it suddenly dawned on them that the one who had created the wind and the waves and the sea was in their boat, asleep in the back. And according to Matthew's Gospel, we read in Matthew 8, 26, that Jesus said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? And he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But I love what Luke adds to it. Luke adds the dimension of the fear in the lives of the disciples. It says, they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Now, think about that. They're talking here to the Lord of glory who created the waves and the sea and the wind, and they're afraid that they're going to go down for the count. And he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was calm. One of the great things about being in the storm, if you know God caused it, is you know you're not there by yourself. Now I remember when I studied this passage some years ago when I was teaching through the Gospels, I wrote this little paradigm in the margin of my bible it says we are far more secure in the storm with jesus in our boat than we will ever be on the shore without him and that is the truth if you're a believer you're going through stormy times right now let me promise you that god is with you if he is your savior and your lord if you've taken him into your life by personal invitation When you go through the storm, he will never leave you. He will be with you, and he will help you through whatever it is you're experiencing. And he gives you a dimension and a dynamic about whatever storm you're in that is not explainable in human terms. My friend Ron Mel tells about a woman who was caught in a frightening storm in the Atlantic Ocean. She was aboard this great ship that had a number of children on it, and while everyone else was panicking, she gathered the children together on one of the decks and began to tell them Bible stories and kept them calm. When they finally got through the storm, the captain came to her to inquire of her why she had done that and how she had done it. And when she looked up to him, he could tell that she had the same kind of quiet peace on her face that she would exhibited in the midst of the storm. So he finally asked her, how did you do it when everyone else was so filled with fear and panic? How did you maintain your calm? She said, well, it's simple. I have two daughters. One of them lives in New York, and the other one lives in heaven. I knew I would see one or the other of them in a few hours, and it didn't make any difference to me which one. Hmm. You say, well, that's really foolish. No, no. That's the kind of perspective that you get in the midst of the storm when you know the one who created it and who can calm it. He brings calm and peace in a way that you can never find it in the human resources available. And then, of course, there is the realization that this is the same thing he does for us no matter what our problem may be. When we're in the storm and we cry out to God, he brings us into calm. But what about the wanderer in the first picture? The peace that he found is described in verse 7. He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. When you're lost in the desert, doesn't that sound like the right thing? What happens to the captive? Verse 14 says, He's brought out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces so the person who is captive in prison is set free what about the person who is in the icu ward about to die verse 20 says he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions how many of you know that wherever you are in whatever situation whatever kind of storm when you cry out to god in your trouble he will hear you and he is never unresponsive to your cry Then we notice at the end of verse 30 that there's a purpose in this storm. There's a purpose in all of the storms. We may not know some of those purposes here, but sometimes we figure them out. The purpose of the storm goes like this. So he guides them to their desired haven. The Lord didn't just take them out of the storm. He took them to where they needed to go. Here's something I've been learning about storms. The place you thought you wanted to go going into the storm is not always the place you think you want to go coming out of the storm. Can I get a witness? Sometimes storms can change your minds about things that you thought you wanted. And what I've observed is this, that when you go into a storm that God has created... If you're receptive to what's going on in your life during the time, you will come out of that storm with the desire in your heart that he has for you. Your desire and his desire will be the same, and the place where you wanted to go, which may have been over here, will be adjusted to the place where God wants you to go. And the beauty of it is, in the midst of it all, you will want to go there yourself. How many of you know that when Jonah was spit up on the ground that he hit the ground running toward the place where he now really wanted to go? Did you ever notice that in studying the book of Jonah? He really wanted to go there. God changes your want to in the midst of the storm, isn't that something? And then the thing I love about this, which is pretty much characteristic of all the Psalms that we've studied, it's in there thematically if not just purposely, and that is that there's praise after the storm. Do you see it oh that men would give thanks to the lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders let me ask you something class what happens when you're in the wilderness and you get taken to a nice home and you're given a dwelling well i'll tell you what happens it's in verse eight and nine oh that men would give thanks to the lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness if you're in the wilderness and you've been delivered the natural response is to praise god for what he's done what happens if you've been in prison and god has brought you out of some addiction or some problem where you felt like you were just shut up to the problem and there was no way for you to get released Verses 15 and 16 says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, for he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. You give thanks to God that you've been set free. One of the things that we love about going to the Brooklyn Tabernacle, we hear the testimonies of people who have been brought out of the prison house of crack cocaine and addictions in the things that have happened to them and how God has released them. And you ought to hear them give praise and thanksgiving to God. Oh, that men would praise the Lord and give thanks for his goodness. And then the interesting thing that happens in the last two pictures of this psalm is this in the first two they give thanks to the Lord for what he has done and the phrase has to do with the blessing of the Lord upon the person who's been released but in the last two of these pictures it's different for instance when a person is released From illness. Verses 21 and 22 record the hymn. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. And then we come to the storm that we have studied today. And in verses 31 and 32 Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. And for his wonderful works to the children of men, let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. Sometimes people say to me, well, I don't think you need to worship in public. You worship in private. I don't know what Bible you're reading. The Bible is constantly reminding us that when we worship, it is Exploded in its effectiveness when we come together and we give praise to the Lord in the company of the assembly It says in the presence of the elders in the presence of the leaders We give praise to God There's a wonderful evidence here for corporate praise when we come together on the Lord's Day. That's what we ought to be doing You know there are several passages in the Bible next to which I have now written my name Do you ever do that? This is a personal passage that God has just kind of uniquely used. I shared with you Psalm 71, how that was given to me in the midst of my sickness. And you all can borrow it if you want to, but that's mine. You know, that's my Psalm. I'll let you use it whenever you need it, but it's something God gave to me. But this is one that likewise God has written my name on. And it's because of something that happened Early in the ministry of our time here, I accepted not only being the pastor of the church, but I became the president of the college. And I really believed I did that under the direction of the Lord and believe so to this day, but there were some very difficult times. I would say this college uh, was hanging by a thread. And many of us who were a part of the inner workings knew that if God had not done something very miraculous, that there would have been no hope for the college to continue. It was one particular summer that I remember with vivid color. We had run out of resources. The tuition money was gone. We hadn't raised enough money to sustain the operation of the college through the summer. We had uh, been underwritten by the church, and those resources were no longer available. They were gone because the church had given all that it could give. We were having meetings almost every week trying to figure out what to do. There was some momentum on the part of some in the church to close the college and just get rid of it because it appeared to be a liability. And uh, there were even some in the college who thought perhaps we should do that. In fact, there were some meetings that took place between this college and another Christian college on the West Coast to try to merge the two, perhaps, if that could be done. And I remember thinking, well, maybe this is what God is doing, but I couldn't get through my heart and my head why God would ever close something as wonderful as this school that he'd raised up to train young people when I saw the evidence of it in so many ways. I remember saying to some of the guys on our staff one day, you know what? I'm not going to do this. If God wants to close it, he's going to have to do it, and he can do it if he wants to. But I'm not going to do it. We got into the teeth of the summer, and the challenges and the resources were just not available. There just wasn't any money. And I had a little recollection of this in the back of my head because my father was the president of Cedarville College, and when we took over that college in 1953, we went there... As a young family and I remember the first year my dad was there there was no money and we didn't have any salary or any money provided the whole summer we ate out of the garden my mother planted out back of our house and that's how we got through the summer I remember one day I was just so filled with the, the sense of the storm I felt like the waves were just crashing over us and I didn't know what to do and I gathered our, our senior staff we all went up to Pine Valley I'll never forget that Pine Valley is a Christian camp up here and nobody was there and they let us use one of their conference rooms and We gathered around the table up there to pray as far as I could see there was no hope anywhere We'd done everything. We knew how to do humanly There just wasn't anything left and I had read the psalm Psalm 107. And I had been reminded of this little section in the psalm about the storm and so as we gathered there in the conference room at Pine Valley, I read this passage to the men and I said, you know, one of the things I want to remind you about is this. We have all collectively chosen to do business in the great waters. Not many churches have schools and we got lots of them. We got preschools and grade schools and junior high schools and high schools and college schools. And God has laid that upon our heart and that makes the job we do much more difficult. We have gone out into the deep And that's one of the reasons why we're having the storm and we talked about the challenge and I said what we have to do is we have to cry out to the Lord and we have to ask God to move into the midst of this situation and do something in a way that it'll be only explained by God I've not had very many things like this happen in my life but I'll never forget this we began to pray around the table and I remember it was intense and there were some tears And there was a knock at the door and it was the proprietor of the camp and she motioned for me to come out and went out and she said you need to call your office and there was a payphone not too far from where we were meeting so I went over and called uh, the office here at the church I remember her asking me this question I'll never forget it she said are you sitting down I said I'm in a phone booth She said, well, hang on, and this is what she told me. She said the women down in the mailroom at the college were just opening the mail in a routine way, and they opened an envelope. There was no letter with this. There was just a check in the envelope for a half a million dollars. And I know what you're thinking is, was it good? (laughs) We knew the name on it, and it was good. When I heard that, I began to cry. I went back into the meeting and the guys thought somebody had died, you know. And I said, no, let me tell you what happened. While we were sitting there in the midst of that storm, crying out to God for his help, then he heard us in our trouble and he brought us out and into the peace and into the calm. I want to tell you that we followed up on it just like it says in this passage of Scripture we begin to praise God most of us if we look back on our involvement that was a defining moment in the affirmation that God brought to us that this was a school that he was going to use in a mighty way I'd hate to think about what would be missing in the evangelical community today if we subtracted all the graduates who have graduated from this school since that day when God Showed us that he was the God of the storm and he heard our cry And you know what I know men and women God is anxious to do that for us if we'll trust him You may not have anything quite that severe financially But your problems in perspective are just as great to you as that problem was to this college You may not have an illness that would be described best by hanging at death's door You may not feel like you're lost in the desert, but wherever you are in the midst of the stress that God has allowed in your life, you need to understand if you feel helpless, you have just qualified for God to help you. If you will reach out to him and ask him. Amen. And you know, that's the interesting thing. So many people that I've talked to over the years have gone through storms. And when you ask them, did you talk to God about it? They look at you with a quizzical smile as if that that's a very unbelievable thing that they would do and yet that's not the last place you go that's the first place you go you go to the god of the storm and you ask him for help and strength and and and, and you thank him for being with you in the middle of the storm and that he's going to help you through it you can never go through a storm as a believer without god And you need to recognize his presence or it won't be of any value to you. So let me encourage you, uh, don't put God at the end of your list. Put him at the top of your list. Consult him first, and you will find a a much better outcome for your situation. Well, tomorrow we go to another psalm. This one's kind of a famous one. It's Psalm 46. And... um, This psalm is known by many people because of a hymn that was written uh, from it. And we'll talk about that tomorrow when we get to this psalm, Psalm 46 tomorrow. The subject is triumph over trouble. And I hope you'll join us then for the next edition of Turning Point. In the meantime, don't forget to ask for your copy of the book on sleep when you send your gift today. And uh, have a great day. We'll see you next time right here on this good
1: station. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. If your faith is growing through this ministry, we'd love to hear from you. Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO, Sawasan Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Sleep on This, a nighttime devotional with biblical reflections to bring you peace and rest. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series When Your World Falls Apart on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah.
0: Are you searching for a way to begin each day filled with energy and joy? It starts by saying good night to restless sleep. In his book, Sleep On This, Dr. David Jeremiah provides nightly readings to help quiet our minds and calm our spirits. And when you donate $75 or more to Turning Point, we'll send you a special set that includes this book and material from the series, When Your World Falls Apart. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Many people say they know Jesus, but all too often they know about Him, but they don't truly know Him. For this reason, Dr. David Jeremiah wrote The Jesus You May Not Know, which provides insight about his eternal nature and role on earth and in heaven. This book is yours with a gift of any amount to Turning Point. And for donations of $75 or more, you'll receive the book, He Is Bookmark, Study Guide, and CD or DVD album. Go to davidjeremiah.ca.
2: Mary, Queen of Scots, was the Catholic Queen of Scotland for 25 years in the 16th century. During her reign, a Scottish clergyman named John Knox helped to lead the Protestant Reformation and establish the Presbyterian denomination in Scotland. And Mary is recorded as saying she feared the prayers of John Knox more than the efforts of 10,000 soldiers. She must have been familiar with James 5.16 where James writes, that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. If there is a nation or a neighborhood you want to win for Christ, begin by praying. It's what the devil fears the most. And this is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how God answers prayer on Route 66.
0: Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.